Now it's on. Good morning. <laughs> Our first lesson is from the Old Testament is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28, beginning with verse 5, and that can be found on page 779 in the Church Bibles. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied, replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will recognize, be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Our epistle lesson this morning is found in the book of Romans, chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, and that can be found on page 1117 in the Church Bibles. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long, long as that person lives? For example, by law a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from that, the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say, then? Is a law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin is had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good bringing about my death so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. 
Our gospel reading is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10, beginning with verse 34. And in respect to the Holy Gospel, please stand. And that can be found on page 965. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves her father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves her son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. In the name of Jesus, God bless America. God bless America. Certainly has uh, blessed us over the years. And of course, that, that phrase, God bless America, is also a, an urgent plea that God would continue to be a blessing to our nation. And we do stand in need of God's blessing, don't we? Division. Division. It's maybe what we have, especially right now as a nation, as the United States of America experiencing is division. Partisan ideologies and bickering leading to gridlock. That's maybe the best way to describe what's happening in politics and government these days. We've got a liberals against conservatives, Democrats against Republicans, progressives against faith and family coalition. We've got a, a president who's against the Supreme Court and a former president against the Department of Justice. Division. And the results of this kind of divisiveness, broken promises, failed policies, scandals, protests, some of them quite violent, threats of government shutdown, efforts at impeachment from both sides. Given this divisiveness, it's ironic, isn't it, that in the American Pledge of Allegiance, United States Pledge of Allegiance, which we're all proud to recite again this 4th of July, probably learned as children going up and growing up and reciting every day in school, that in that pledge we claim that we are one nation under God, indivisible. Indivisible? 
word that means not able to divide. It used to be that under God was the controversial phrase in the pledge. But who today would claim that our nation is indivisible? Division is what we seem to have these days, not only in our centers of government, but in our, in our larger society as well, especially as we're gonna consider it this morning over the issue of what constitutes marriage and, and family and how it is that this core basic uh, structure of family life is being negatively affected as a result. We are a divided nation with plenty of divided homes. And what is it that causes this division? Well, you could say a lot of things, of course, but certainly the, the influence, the negative influence of social media, maybe higher education is causing it. Drugs, alcohol, poverty, to be sure. Conflicting interests, warped values, that too. Work, career, money. Jesus Christ? Wait a minute. You're probably thinking to yourself, did he just say Jesus Christ? Is a cause of division? Well, yeah. At least that's what Jesus himself tells us in today's gospel. And when you think about it, you certainly would have to agree that history confirms and substantiates that. Over the years, there has been no more disruptive force within the family unit than the presence of Jesus Christ. He, in his own words, turns husbands against wives and parents against children, making enemies out of the members of one's own household. You see, more than anything else, it really is Jesus Christ that, that creates a division of the house. Now, to be sure, these are hard words from Jesus. They're hard to hear, but I want to tell you, they're also hard to preach. They don't sound like Jesus at all, at least not our idea of what Jesus should sound like. You know, as we heard last Sunday, if you were in church, the gospel reading, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to go out and make disciples of people, and he gives us the same, the same command. But this is how we're supposed to do it? Tell people to expect division, hatred, to take up their cross, lose their life? Doesn't sound like a very successful recruitment program, does it? But you see, Jesus is not interested only in big numbers, larger church membership. What Jesus wants is committed disciples. And so he's simply telling it like it is. This is the reality of his presence here on earth. In his own words, not peace, but a sword. Now it's true, the angels of heaven sang about peace on earth at Jesus' birth. And on the night before he died, Jesus would tell his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. But then he goes on to, to uh, qualify what kind of peace it is that he gives when he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Worldly 
peace. You know, news today is filled with peace talk, isn't it? Efforts at peace in Ukraine and Europe, the Middle East, calming tensions with China and Russia and Syria and Iran and North Korea, and the, you know, the list goes on. Our nation has been forged on the idea of war that's be almost become our legacy as a nation from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to, to World Wars and the Cold War and War on Terrorism. And now we hear about cyber war and the threat of nuclear war. We're experiencing culture wars out there in our country, which in the minds of some is leading to another civil war. You know, worldly peace comes and it goes and it, it really never is fully realized. And there's also the, uh, the watered down version of worldly peace that comes through mm, the toleration and the accepting of conflicting views. You know, the kind of, the, the kind of peace that uh, the prophet Hananiah in our Old Testament lesson this morning was promoting. You recall, he was the, the prophet who was saying that, hey, no big deal, the children of Israel, they're, they're in Babylon, but it's gonna be a short time over there. there. There's gonna be peace pretty soon and they're gonna come back. And Jeremiah calls him on it and says, hey, uh, you'll be able to tell the, the true prophecy if it, comes, if it comes true. And of course, Hananiah was promoting more of a prosperity gospel, wasn't he? What we might today call fake news. Today it might sound something like, oh, don't worry, all religions are simply different pathways to the same God. They're all capable of saving us. Just follow your own spiritual truth and it'll be okay. Well, doesn't that simplify things for us? You know, we can all get along just fine doing our own religious thing. We don't have to be divisive or offensive, politically incorrect troublemakers. We don't have to tell anybody about Jesus or bother trying to make them disciples. We can agree to disagree, and so we can get along and, and coexist and live in peace. Well, folks, if that is true, and sadly there are many even who call themselves Christians who claim that it is, then those early disciples of Jesus foolishly sacrificed their lives for nothing. And for that matter, so did Jesus. Regardless of what we think, the reality is that Jesus came to divide not unite through a let's all get along together and accept every spiritual truth claim sort of peace. Sadly, his, his sword today separates Christians from non-Christians. People whom we, we otherwise care about and whose division from us is anything but peaceful. The sword divides us as Americans and, and even slices into homes and and splits families apart. I don't know personally of any greater pain than that of being separated from my closest loved ones over the presence of Jesus in heart and home. 
as a spouse and as a parent, I can sympathize with that, that, that inner turmoil that St. Paul went through when he writes in Romans concerning his family. Now, Paul was never married and didn't have any children, but he considered as family his fellow Jews, the people of Israel. And he goes on to say about them, because they had rejected Christ, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that, that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Imagine he was willing to take their place in hell eternally so that they could go to heaven. That's how troubled he was at the division that was created between, between him and them. And yet, how many Christian homes there are today that are experiencing this, this division, this spiritual shutdown, and to one degree or another, are feeling the pain. Yes, we have a, a crisis of marriage and family in this, this country of ours, don't we? And even in the church. And lo and behold, Jesus is right there in the middle of it. He can be a homewrecker. And that, folks, is the heartbreaking reality. And for that reason, Jesus would have us today again make a choice. There are many things in life that, that compete for top spot on our priority list. Good education. Good job. Health. Home good marriage and family. Jesus says, love me more. And I say, but I do love you, Jesus. I'm in church and I pray. Isn't that enough? And Jesus says, love me only. Not just, not just first. Love me, not just some or most but all of the time. Be willing to lose your life on my account. Even the love of this spouse and these, these children that I've given you, these things that you value as life's highest good, be willing to lose them so that you can find real life in me. And here's the thing, folks. When you do love Jesus only, you will also know marital and family peace beyond your, your wildest dreams. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and you will honor your father and mother. You will love and honor your spouse. Seek only his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things, all of them will be yours as well. But satisfy your temporal goals at the expense of Christ and his kingdom. Find your life. Be true to yourself in selfish pursuit of this world's version of the good life. Even put your family first, and you'll lose it all. To be worthy of Jesus, to be worthy of Jesus. He repeats that three times in these words. To be worthy of me, he says. 
That's what matters, isn't it? That's the highest priority and choice in life for a disciple. And what makes us worthy of Jesus? When we realize our need for him exceeds all other needs. When we believe that our emptiness can be filled only by him. It's to love Jesus more than life itself. And therein, you see, lies the comfort in these troubling, troubling words of Jesus. When the nation is divided and future looks hopeless, when the house is divided and there's the possibility we may not share eternal, eternity with the people that we love the most, even though Everything seems lost. It's then that we need Jesus the most and his love and forgiveness and the promises of his word. Then we are nothing and he is everything and we are left only to beg for mercy. Totally dependent on him. Dying to self, we find our life in him. That's what makes us worthy of Jesus. Finding us empty, he will fill us up. This is the peace that Jesus came into the world to bring. This is the peace that was shared with you earlier in our service this morning. In the words of forgiveness, proclaim to you the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because it comes from a heavenly father whose love drove his only son to die on a cross for you. I mean, who can understand that? Jesus knows about a house divided, about brothers who rejected him, friends who betrayed him, his own father who, who forsook him, in his hour of direst need. And now with our selfish agendas and priorities, we too choose to be his enemies. But God demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Old Testament Job, the guy who lost everything in this life, lost all of his wealth, his family, all 10 children killed in a storm, and finally his own health, and his wife telling him, hey, Job, curse God and die. He's the guy who finally said of God, even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Even though we live in a country and in a world becoming more and more godless and in a house divided by Jesus. Even though we or our loved ones walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet we will not fear. Yet we will trust him. And you know, who knows whether that trust demonstrated in words and deeds of kindness will one day rub off on those who live in the house with us or on those in our own country 
who are divided from us politically, morally, or, or spiritually. Because only in the love of Jesus can there be a nation united, a house united, and the hope of life forever. May this peace of Christ be with you and, and in you. And to that end, God bless America. Amen. Amen.